Well, good morning, everyone. I'm so glad that you're here with us, joining with us as we kick off a brand new series called We the Church this week. And what this series is all about is really just looking at what is the core of church? What is church? What is church really about? Because this is true, uh, that COVID-19 is changing church. Right? It just is. So in this season where church is changing in many ways, uh, because I'm going to be honest with this, I'm not used to doing this. This isn't quite what I was trained in to actually be doing like online things, right? Because things are changing. So the question I want to take a look at is just this. What do we need to hold on to, right? And what can we let go? Like once we understand what is the core of church, what is the essential of church, then we can answer that question. What is it that we can uh, hold on to in this season? And what can we also let go? Because I want to say something really clearly that I believe, I believe that even though COVID-19 has changed church, can we just get amen to this? COVID-19 has not closed, shut down, or stopped the church, right? Now, if for you, if for you, church has primarily been physically gathering, it's been primarily about like services or one hour in a week, then maybe for you, church has really been altered. But what I want to say really clearly is that theologically, church is not a building, church is not budgets, church isn't even programming. What is church? It's a people who follow Jesus together. And that's what we are doing. So I just want to say really clearly that church has not been canceled. And we don't need to reopen church because guess what? It's never been closed, right? It has never been closed. But this is the themes I want to explore. Like what is church? What is the essential of church? How do we make sure that we hold on to the core in this kind of strange and odd season that we are in? And that's what we're going to be looking at over the next few weeks. And to do that together, to do that, well, I want to begin in the very birth of the church which happens in the story of Acts. So if you have your Bibles, that's where we're going to be over the next few weeks. We're going to be picking up some of the themes in Acts. We're not going to be working it through chronologically, uh, but instead we're going to be just highlighting some of the things of what the early church is and what we should be as well. So if you have your Bibles, that's where we're going to be today, taking a look at what is church, starting in Acts 1. Now, if you're not familiar with Acts, this is kind of the context for it. Acts is really the story of what happens right after Jesus' death and resurrection, right? It's about what's next. It's about the birth of the church. It's about the founding of the church. And this is where we're going to be over the next kind of few weeks. Today, I want to take a look at what is the actual foundation of the church. I want to take a look at the beginning and the start of the church. Next week, we're going to be taking a look a bit more in Acts 2. Uh, after that, I honestly have no idea where we'll be. Um, <laughs> we're going to figure it out as we go. Uh, because likely for you, as well as for me, uh, COVID-19 is changing up my natural rhythms and patterns, actually. Normally, as many of you know, I'd be actually writing sermons for at least eight weeks ahead, right? But this is just true. That feels silly, right? Because I have no idea what it's going to look like in eight weeks. You probably don't either. So instead, what's happening is I just need to trust the Holy Spirit to lead me each and every week. And that's actually what church is all about learning to trust in the Holy Spirit. I want to show you that from Scripture today. So I want to begin in Acts 1. And here we hear Jesus' kind of final uh, words to the disciples before he ascends to heaven, and he says this. He says, But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and then you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all of Judea and Samaria and to the very ends of the earth. After saying this, he was taken up in the cloud where they were watching, and they could no longer see him. So Jesus says, as he ascends, you have to wait for the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit is going to birth something new. The Holy Spirit is going to start something new. And that's what I want to take a look at today. And that's found in Acts 2. This is going to be the passage we're going to spend our time with this morning. So we read this, okay, starting just in the very beginning on Acts 2. It says this, On the day of Pentecost, all the believers were together, meeting together in one place. And suddenly there was a sound from heaven, like a, uh, the roaring of a mighty windstorm or mighty sound of, of thunder. And it filled the house where they were sitting. Then what looked like flames of or tongues of fire appeared and settled on each of them. And everyone present was filled with the Holy Spirit. And they began speaking in other languages as the Holy Spirit gave them this ability. At that time, there were devout Jews from every nation living in Jerusalem. And when they heard the loud noise, right? When they heard the loud noise, everyone came running and they were bewildered to hear their own languages being spoken by the believers. They were completely amazed and they said, how can this be? These people are from Galilee, yet we hear them in our own native languages. 
And when it says this, and we hear that these people are speaking our own languages about the wonderful things God has done. And they stood there amazed and perplexed. What can this mean? They asked each other. This is the passage I want to take a look at together. Because this is the passage really about the birth of the church. The founding of the church. Or to use like a comic book <laughs> reference. This is the origin story of the church. It begins right here and right now. So we're going to dive into some of these details. But one detail that I'm actually not going to be diving into today, because it's not a major one, I'm not going to be diving into today uh, the gift of tongues and its modern day use in the church. If you're interested about that, feel free to send me a question and I'll answer it tomorrow at 3 p.m. on our live kind of question and answer time. I'd be happy to do that. But that's not the main focus of the passage. I want to begin with really settling on some of the main uh, details and the main themes. And the first thing I want to explain or share a little bit is actually illusions. Because this passage has a ton of illusions in them. And here's what illusions are. Illusions are these like subtle kind of winks or nods to things that if you're a part of the community, if you're a part of the story, if you're kind of an insider, you would get them, right? So for example, here's an illusion, right? If I were to talk about uh, pastors who love maps, if I were to kind of reference pastors who love maps, <laughs> and you've been a part of our church for, let's say, like longer than me, what you would know is that I'm actually referencing Pastor Larry, right? Larry uh, was a lead pastor before me, and he led uh, with such faithfulness and passion and truthfulness for 43 amazing years. But what you also know, if you know Larry, is that he loved maps and laser pointers and all of that, right? That's what illusions are. They're like subtle winks and nods to things. And with illusions, you're never explicit, right? That's not it. It's about being subtle and trying to awaken kind of the imagination. And so in Luke's account here, there are actually a number of different allusions to different passages of scripture. There's allusions to the dry bones in Ezekiel. There's allusions to Isaiah in the throne room in Isaiah 6. But the main illusion that actually Luke is using to kind of awaken the imagination of his readers is to Mount Sinai. Now, at Mount Sinai, here's what happened if you're not familiar with that story. It's in the Old Testament. And this is where God showed up on a mountain to Moses and he gave the people the law, right? The Ten Commandments on the stone tablets, if that story is ringing any bells for you. This is the story that Luke is really subtly but very, very clearly referencing for his readers. And I want to share with you why and how we would know this. So one of the reasons I think Luke is really referencing this story is because for the Jewish people, there are two foundational stories. There's the Exodus. This is when they were freed from Egypt and the crossing of the Red Sea. And then there's the giving of the law at Mount Sinai. This is really crucial for the Jewish people because this is when they were really formed. This is kind of like the moment that they really became a true people moving forward under God with this law or the Torah that binds them together. It's incredibly important for the Jewish people. And Luke is referencing this moment. And we would know this uh, because the very first thing he tells us in the passage is this. He says that it was the day of Pentecost. Now, if you've been a follower of Jesus for a while, when I say the word Pentecost, things you might think of are this story, the Holy Spirit, or the denomination that's called like Pentecostalism, right? But that's actually not what Luke is referencing. Do you want to know what he's referencing when he says the word Pentecost? It's actually referencing Mount Sinai. This is a Jewish festival where they celebrate the giving of the law. So right off the bat, Luke is being really clear that he's going to give some references to Mount Sinai. And there's some more in this passage, actually. He uses some words that actually tie in to Mount Sinai. Words like together, sounds from heaven and fire. And there's lots of nerdy connections I could do today, but we're going to keep it just semi-nerdy. Not like full nerdy, but just semi-nerdy today. Sorry. Yeah, that's for you, Krista. Okay. <laughs> so I want to read to you a little bit of Exodus 19 and show you some of these connections, okay? So this is the story of Mount Sinai. It says this, On the morning of the third day, there was thunder and lightning, right? Again, even in this story, there's loud rushing wind, thunder, that kind of idea is that links are there. Uh, with a thick cloud over the mountain and a very loud trumpet blast, everyone in the camp trembled. And then Moses led the people out of the camp uh, to meet with God, and they stood at the foot of the mountain. And this is the verse I want you to pay attention on. It says this, And Mount Sinai was covered with smoke, because the Lord descended on it in fire. Okay, And the Lord descended on it in fire. There's this image here that when God shows up, 
one of the ways we see his presence is actually in the image of fire. And it says here that God descends from heaven and he settles on the mountain in fire. And then we see something very similar in the passage we read in Luke, right? That the Holy Spirit descends from heaven and settles on the people with tongues of fire. This is an image, again, of God showing up in a new and an amazing way. And what Luke is trying to get at here is this, okay? Here's why this all matters if all this was kind of like, you know, uh, for an early on a Sunday morning. Here's what this matters. That Luke is saying that just as the Jewish people were really formed and, you know, made new at the giving of the law and the Mount Sinai, what he's also saying is that God is doing something really similar right here, that God is forming a new people, and that new people is called the church. That's what this passage is about. It is about the birth and the foundation and the starting of the church. It's about when God shows up in such a new way that new people are formed, new rhythms are given, and new things start to happen. That's what this moment is all about. Willie James Jennings, uh, an amazing theologian, he says this. He says, this is the beginning of community broken open by the sheer act of God. Right? It's a sheer act of God. God is just showing up and he's starting something new. And that's called the church. And I want to explore this a little bit more about how God shows up. Right? And I want to focus in on verse 2 today. We read this. Suddenly, there was a sound from heaven like the roaring of a mighty windstorm, and it filled the house where they were sitting. I got to tell you, this verse has just been sitting with me the last few weeks. I've just been thinking about this verse and meditating on it and actually praying for it. Because in some ways, isn't this what you want? Like, just think about it. For the Holy Spirit to show up and to fill the room, to fill your house, to fill your apartment, to fill your life, to fill your heart, to fill your kids, to fill your spouse, to fill everything about you. That's what this passage is talking about, that the Holy Spirit rushes in. The Holy Spirit fills the room. It is a beautiful, beautiful image. And I want to be clear with something. This image of the Holy Spirit filling the room, if you read this passage, it is not like a weak filling. It is not a gentle filling. There is energy. There is power. There is movement. Listen to what it says. Suddenly, there is a sound from heaven, like a roar of a mighty windstorm and it filled the house where they were sitting, right? This is the Holy Spirit rushing in. This is the Holy Spirit breaking in. This is the Holy Spirit starting something new. So I want to tell you something that I think has been, you know, standing out to me in this passage, that when we think of the Holy Spirit, we sometimes think of the Holy Spirit in a domesticated way, in a gentle way, but this passage does not show that at all. This passage actually portrays the Spirit in some ways in a wild way, and when I say wild, I'm not talking about chaotic or destructive. I'm just saying what this passage is making clear of is this, that we as human beings, we don't have control over the Spirit. We can't compel the Spirit. The Spirit has a mind and a will and a power of its own, right? This is what Jesus says where he says, the wind blows where it wills. I just think that it's important to remember that the Holy Spirit, he has his own directions and uh, his own um, convictions and that he does what he wants, right? If you notice in this passage, follow with me, the Holy Spirit doesn't ask to be invited in. The Holy Spirit doesn't wait and ask to, um, to be welcomed in. The Holy Spirit just shows up in power in this amazing, amazing way. And here's why this matters, at least for me, especially as a pastor. Because you want to know what I, what I know of pastors? I know about me. This is a little bit revealing of me. Here's the truth of every single pastor ever, okay? All pastors like control, okay? That is why they become pastors, because then they're in charge of things, okay? It's pastors. Yeah. <laughs> especially me. Pastors like control, okay? We like knowing what's going to happen. We like knowing what to expect. This isn't weird. It's just, it's part of our makeup, I really think. But this passage actually pushes against that because this is maybe a little bit too vulnerable or open for you or honest for you. But here's the truth. All pastors want the Holy Spirit to show up. So do I. But we often want the Holy Spirit to show up according to our timetables, our expectations, at the right time in the service. Like not at 8.55 when people aren't there yet. No, no, don't show up then, right? You have to show up, but not so long that then it bleeds into the other services. 
This is the reality, I think, of sometimes of us as human beings. We like having control over things. But what this verse pushes against is that the Holy Spirit isn't someone to be directed or controlled. The Holy Spirit is someone to be submitted to. It's someone to be received, right? I just think this really, really matters for us. Because what we see in this passage isn't the Holy Spirit asking for permission. We see the Holy Spirit rushing in, filling the room, and he fills every single person. I hope you caught that detail, that when it says that the Holy Spirit breaks into this moment, right, that the Holy Spirit fills everyone present, not just the good ones, not the leaders, not Peter, James, and John, not the higher-ups. It says it actually fills every single person. Let me just read to you the text. It says, on that day of Pentecost, all the believers were meeting together in one place. And then it says this, and everyone present was filled with the Holy Spirit. This is what the Spirit does when he shows up. He fills everyone, right? I just think that this is a beautiful, beautiful passage for us to understand what the church is. So what is the church? Well, according to this passage, here's what I would say. Okay, the church is not just buildings and budgets and programs and services. No, 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 the church is people filled with the Holy Spirit, amen? That's what the church is. This is the founding of the church. This is the beginning of the church. The church is people filled with the Holy Spirit, moving in line with the Spirit, moving in rhythm with the Spirit. Or we could put it this way, that church is created or church is born when the Holy Spirit fills the room. That's what this passage is getting at. That church is really created and born when the Holy Spirit fills the room. So if you want to know what church is, if you want to know what a core to church is, okay? A core to church is not buildings and budgets. Because right now, we don't really have a building that we can be operating in, right? What the core of the church is, is actually the Holy Spirit filling people. And guess, notice this. I want to show you now what the Holy Spirit fills people to do. What the next step that the Holy Spirit does is. Okay, so we see this. The Holy Spirit fills the room. Then I want to read verse 5 together. Listen to what the Holy Spirit fills people to actually do. It says this, And everyone present was filled with the Holy Spirit and began speaking in other languages, as the Holy Spirit gave them this ability. And at that time, there are devout Jews from every nation living in Jerusalem, and they started to hear it. So notice with me what happens. As soon as the Holy Spirit fills them, they start to speak in new languages. But follow with me, okay? These new languages, this isn't gibberish. This isn't babbling. What do you think the people are speaking about who are filled with the Holy Spirit? The answer should be pretty obvious. It's Jesus, amen? Right? They're speaking about Jesus. It is always Jesus because here is the role of the Holy Spirit, okay? The role of the Holy Spirit is not to point people towards himself or even to other people. The role of the Holy Spirit is to point people towards Jesus. This is what the Spirit does. The Spirit always draws the attention and the focus towards Jesus, As I've said, I grew up in very charismatic circles. So there have been moments where I've seen things that people have said were the Holy Spirit, and I could tell you for sure they weren't. And do you want to know how I knew for sure they weren't? Because they were drawing attention to themselves and not to Jesus. The role of the Holy Spirit isn't to draw attention to ourselves or even to himself. The role of the Holy Spirit is to draw attention to Jesus, and that's exactly what he does here. The Holy Spirit fills the room, fills everyone, and the people start to speak of Jesus. Because we read this later on in the text. It says, these people are all from Galilee, and yet we hear them speaking in our own native languages. And then it tells us what they were speaking about. It says this, and we hear all these people speaking in our own languages about the wonderful things God has done. Right? What do you think they're speaking about? They're talking about the death and resurrection of Jesus. They're talking about the movement of Jesus. They're talking about the good news of Jesus. That when the Holy Spirit fills you, when the Holy Spirit empowers you, the Holy Spirit does this so that you can share the good news of Jesus Christ with those around you. That's the purpose of the Spirit, to do the good work of the church, sharing good news with everyone. And if you notice too, there's a subtle detail here that Luke is wanting to show us. 
that really, when the Holy Spirit shows up, that the church really goes kind of global in one sense, right? Listen to what he says. He says, and everyone present was filled with the Holy Spirit and began speaking in other languages as the Holy Spirit gave them this ability. It says at this, this point though, it says at this time, there were devout Jews from every nation living in Jerusalem. Did you catch that? There are devout Jews living in every nation in Jerusalem. So when the Spirit fills the room to share people, to share uh, Jesus with others, where does the good news go? According to this passage, it goes to like every corner on the earth, to every single nation. Because Christianity, follow with me, Christianity is not some national religion. It's not some regional faith. Christianity is universal. It is for every single person. And so when the Holy Spirit fills the room, He empowers them to share Jesus with everyone, everywhere. That's what's going on here. That when the Holy Spirit fills the room, he fills people to be the church and to share Jesus with everyone, everywhere. So what is my main point this morning? What does this mean for us all? Because I know that there's a lot here. I know we've gone through a lot and there's lots of details that I haven't quite covered and feel free to ask me about them in the Q&A tomorrow. But what I want to emphasize just as we begin this series called We the Church, what I want to emphasize is that when we're talking about the church, right, we so often first talk about us. But what I think we cannot forget or we cannot deny or we cannot just miss is that the Holy Spirit, be- the Holy Spirit begins the church. That church begins with the Spirit moving, not with us, right? This is the main point I want to share with you that today, what is church? The church is when the Holy Spirit shows up, fills the room and creates new life and new meaning and moves people to share about Jesus, My main point is really just this, that the Holy Spirit begins the church, right? Or we could put it this way, that church is when people are filled by the Spirit and sharing Jesus in the Spirit. That's what church is, right? According to this passage, that's exactly what we see. The Holy Spirit fills the room, fills the people, so that they can then share Jesus with others. That's what church is about. This is the core to church. And while right now I know, I know many things are changing in church, this is the one thing that we cannot let go of. We cannot let go of the Holy Spirit filling us and moving us and sharing Jesus with other people. Because many things are changed. Like right now, we're not in our building. We're not gathering. I can't go into my office. And many of the programs that we are used to running aren't. And I mean, these are all good things. There's nothing wrong with them. I'm going to be really honest. I really miss my office, actually. (laughs) I miss the quietness of my office. I miss writing in my office. But you know what? These things are not core and essential. What is core and essential to church is being filled with the Holy Spirit and sharing Jesus. This is what is core to church. And you likely already know this. Because when church doesn't have the Holy Spirit filling the room and moving... Church can then slide into religion. Church can slide into like legalism. Church can slide into rote repetition. But let me be clear. The church was never meant to be any of those things. The church is meant to be a movement of people sharing the good news of Jesus with others after the Holy Spirit comes upon people and fills them and changes them and just transforms them to do new things. This is what the church is. The church is about a people filled with the Holy Spirit, ready to follow Jesus and to share Jesus with others. That's what the church is. Or to put it a different way. The church is really born or birthed when the Holy Spirit shows up. And so for Krista, uh, this is something I think that you can say amen to, okay? Okay. Okay. You ready for this? I think one of the best metaphors, one of my favorite metaphors for the Holy Spirit is actually a midwife, actually. Oh, I like that. Yeah, I thought you would. I thought you would. Because if you notice in this passage, that's what the Holy Spirit does, right? He comes alongside someone to birth something new, right? We learn in John that what's the role of the Holy Spirit? To, yeah, to make sure that people are born again. This is some of the imagery that is being uh, used here by Luke to remind us that when the Holy Spirit shows up, that's when church is born. That's what is needed Amen for church. Amen to that. Amen to that. So what does this mean for us all for today? What does it mean if my main point is that, really, the church is people filled with the Holy Spirit and then sharing the Spirit? What it means for us today is that I just think this, that amidst all that's going on, I think that we need more of the Holy Spirit in our lives. I think we need more of Him. I think we need Him to fill the room, to fill our hearts, to fill our souls, to fill our communities, to fill our neighborhoods. Isn't this what you need? 
right? This is what I need. I've been praying that over my home every single day. Holy Spirit, would you fill the room? Would you fill me? Because I want to be a part of sharing the good news of Jesus with people around us. Anyone else want to say amen to that, right? Like I'm all for John Krasinski and his some good news, but here's what I think, okay? I think the church is called to be the good news center of the world, and I kind of want to take it back, actually. I kind of want to be a part of those things, right? So would you want to be a part of that as well? Because if you do, that begins, that begins with the Holy Spirit showing up and changing us and filling us. What I think we learn from this passage is that the Holy Spirit is the one who creates the church. And he creates it in us by filling us and invites us to share the good news of Jesus with those around us. So how do we experience that today? Well, here's, here's the awkward part, right? Because if you remember, I shared at the beginning that the Holy Spirit isn't one to be compelled. Like I can't control him or force him. So today, today, I can't say that you're going to be filled with the Holy Spirit. I can't like demand that. But while the Holy Spirit can't be controlled or forced, what I do believe is this. I believe the Holy Spirit can be invited. I believe the Holy Spirit can be welcomed. I believe the Holy Spirit can be watched for and anticipated and prayed for. So today, what I want to invite you to do is just this. I want to invite you in this moment to actually pray for the Holy Spirit to fill your room, wherever you may be, whether you're sitting in your car, in your apartment, in your home, in your bedroom, living room, whatever it may be, for the Holy Spirit to fill your room, your heart, your soul, so that you can go about the good work of being the church, right? Of sharing good news with other people. This is what I want to invite you into. And today, today, here's my bold kind of promise. With understanding, understanding, I I can't control the Holy Spirit. That's not my job. But today, I believe and I am trusting that the Holy Spirit will absolutely 100% fill your room, fill your heart, fill your soul. I believe this will happen today. Do you want to know why? You want to know what today is? Today is Pentecost Sunday. Today is Holy Spirit Sunday. Today is the time where the church looks back on this passage and believes that the Holy Spirit is still doing the same things today. Today is the day where we remember that 2,000 years ago, the Holy Spirit showed up in a new way. He broke in. He rushed in. There was a sound that was strong and mighty, and it filled people, and it changed the world. And today, we are asking for the same thing to happen, for the church to be the church, to be filled with the Holy Spirit so that we might follow Him and that we might share Jesus with those people around us. I believe that this is what the Holy Spirit wants to do today of all all days. Do you want to know what's kind of funny? At least for me. Some of you know how planned out in type A I am, right? You would think this would be something I would have lined up. You would think this would be something I planned for, right? To speak on this passage on Pentecost Sunday. But that's not what happened at all. Because I'm not like that far out in advance, I'm just trying to trust the Holy Spirit. I felt led to this passage and I wrote this sermon. And then you want to know what happened? I went to save it and I looked up the date for what this Sunday would be. And it turned out that Google told me it was Pentecost Sunday. So here's what I believe, okay, as a Christian. As a Christian, I do not believe in coincidences. Anyone else want to say amen to that? As a Christian, I don't believe in coincidences. I believe in the work of the Holy Spirit and the work of God. So I believe that when God led me to preach on this passage and to share this passage, and it happens to also be on Pentecost Sunday, I believe that's confirmation that the Holy Spirit wants to show up in your room. The Holy Spirit wants to show up in your life. The Holy Spirit wants to do a work within you to fill you so that we can go about the work of being the church. Because can I get amen to this? Church is not closed, amen? It has never been close, and the Holy Spirit is still moving and still working, and we need more of Him in this season than ever before. Our focus doesn't need to be on buildings and budgets and even services online, as great as they can be. Right? Our focus needs to be on the Holy Spirit filling us so that we can point to Jesus with our lives, with our thoughts, with our actions, with our words. This is what we need. More of the Holy Spirit filling us and filling the room than ever before. So here's my challenge for you. Here's my challenge for you. Today. Today, would you join me in praying that the Holy Spirit would fill your room? 
Would you join with me in inviting and in welcoming? Because as I said, yes, we can't control or compel, but we can welcome, we can invite, we can pray, we can watch, we can anticipate, and we can actually see God move in our lives. So today, I'm going to pray a small prayer. And after I pray it, I'm going to invite you to simply pray it along with me. I'm going to invite you to pray it a few times. It's simple and it's short, but I believe that today on Pentecost Sunday is the day that we need the Holy Spirit to rush in like a mighty rushing wind and to change us and to fill us so that we can become the church, so that it can begin with us, so that we might share the good news of Jesus with the world around us. So what's my main point today? It's just this. It's that church is people filled with the Holy Spirit, sharing Jesus in the Spirit. That's my main point. The church is people filled with the Spirit and sharing uh, Jesus in the Spirit. And then my challenge is to just pray this prayer to invite the Holy Spirit in, to let him rush in into your life and into your heart. Because I believe on Pentecost Sunday, that's what he wants to do. So would you join with me in praying today? This is my prayer for me. This is my prayer for you. I invite you in just a moment to repeat it with me. Let's pray this. Come, Holy Spirit. Come, Holy Spirit. Fill the room. Fill our hearts. Start the church in us today. I want to invite you to pray that along with me. Come, Holy Spirit. Come, Holy Spirit, fill the room, fill our hearts, start the church in us today. Maybe open up your hands or even stand as we just pray this together as a church, inviting the Holy Spirit to be a part of our lives more than ever before. Come, Holy Spirit. Come, Holy Spirit, fill the room, fill our hearts, start the church in us today. May this be true in your life. May this be true in my life. Come, Holy Spirit. Come, Holy Spirit, fill the room, fill our hearts, start the church in us today. Amen. And.